If we wanna take ground in our lives this year, it requires that we take courage. Like courage is what enables us to take that first step, a step toward healing, a step toward reconciliation, a step toward relationship. It's that step toward the first date or engagement or take a step down the aisle. Maybe it's to step back in the gym or to step onto the field to try out for the team. It's to step into a hard conversation with a boss or a coworker, a parent or a friend. It's to step into church for the first time at the first time in a long time. Maybe it's to step into recovery or it's to step to start a business or launch a podcast or a new career. Maybe it's to step out and serve with the passion that God's placed in you. We all have to take a step this year. And anytime we take a step, it requires courage because without courage, we simply stay where we are. If we want to find courage, we find Jesus because there's not a more courageous person in all of history. He touches the untouchable. He confronts the powerful. He steps into hard conversations. He steps towards sinners and steps up to hypocritical religious leaders. He says no to opportunities and embraces obscurity. He steps into impossible situations where all of hell is against him. And the cross is a masterclass on courage. So in the next few weeks, we want to look at some of the take courage stories. When Jesus said those words, take heart, that we would take courage and we would take ground in the new year. That is like a locker room pep talk from Pastor Kevin, in it? Let's go. <laughs> I'm ready. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Crosspoint. We're so glad y'all are here. Hi to all of y'all that are in the room. Hi to our friends out in Overflow, out in the lobby, and everybody watching online. We see all of you. We're so glad you are here. If you don't know this about Crosspoint, we're actually one church in multiple locations. So we are here at the Nashville campus. There are also people in at God Behind Bars. We serve the women there. And yes, yes. And the Bellevue campus. Campus, the Mount Juliet campus, um, Dixon, Franklin, Hendersonville. Listen, if you haven't tried a Dixon donut, you need to go to that campus and get a donut. It is delicious. It is worth the drive. Um, my guess is that for all of you, for all of us, one of our resolutions this year is to grow and change in some way spiritually. You wouldn't be here if that wasn't part of what you were hoping would happen this year, is that somehow your spiritual life would change, that wherever you are starting today, you hope you're somewhere different by December 31st. Me too. Whether it's knowing more about God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit and joy, suffering, the Bible, prayer, whatever it is, you, like me, if you are struggling and want help in some way or you just want to feel loved, well done. That's what we're resolving to do this year. So I just want to thank you for including Crosspoint in that with you, for inviting us to walk alongside whatever you have decided for your spiritual life for this year. I'm terrible at New Year's resolutions. I'm going to assume you are too because we all quit on Friday. Um, but I'm great at experiments. Because the thing about experiments is that you always want to finish it because you want to see if the thing blows up right? We always finish experiments. So my challenge to you is to, to not make some sort of New Year's resolution between you and God, but I would love to see you do an experiment this year. Like, what if? How could your life be different in December if you attended church, if you got into a small group, if you read your Bible at home? Like, we actually won't know until you do it. We won't know until you actually do the experiment if it's going to change your life. And so I'm doing that. I'm inviting you to do that. I think that is who we want to be this Sunday, this week, next week as the series continues and through the year. 
If we haven't met before, my name is Annie, and I'm on the teaching team here at Cross Point. So our pastor, Pastor Kevin, he is one who usually teaches us on Sundays, most Sundays throughout the year. And there are a couple of us who get to come in and serve alongside Pastor Kevin in doing that. It's truly one of the honors of my life. And I feel like every time I'm here, I hope you would get to know me a little bit better. So have I ever told you the story about when I almost got deported? <laughs> I don't think I have. It's neat. Um... About a decade ago, I lived in Scotland, and I was a very responsible adult. I had all the paperwork that said it is okay for Annie, American Annie, to live in Scotland. Some friends of mine lived in Prague in the Czech Republic, and I wanted to go visit them for a weekend. And so I did that, and I was a responsible adult, except I was not the responsible adult who brought all her paperwork with her on the airplane. I had my passport, but I didn't have like the folder full of things because I didn't think it mattered. I go to Prague, spend the weekend. It's great. I come back on a Monday. And it's Monday evening at like, I don't know, 8 o'clock when our plane lands. And when we go to passport control, you know, where you have to line up for the, the policemen, security guard guys to let you across and let you through to your luggage, there's about 248 people in the line that says EU. And then there's two of us in the other line. <laughs> it's me and a girl from Canada. And I, in my brain, this is my bad. In my brain, I thought, well, I live here, so I don't need to prove that I live here because I live in the UK. I was wrong. Um, I go up and I go first. And uh, the guy's name is Richard on his name tag. And and he asked for my passport, and I hand it, and he flips through it a little bit and kind of looks at me funny and then looks back at my passport and closes it and says, sit down. And you, mm-mm. the only person I want telling me to sit down is like the flight attendant, right? Everybody else, I want them to tell me to go. He's telling me to sit down, and I'm like, well, that can't be great. Meanwhile, the 248 are just buzzing through, right? The girl from Canada goes, she goes through fine, more responsible, I guess, very very nice. And then he calls me back up. He says, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm writing a book and, and that's why, and I live here. I can give you my address. I had actually already texted my flatmate and told her I was on the way home. So I said to him, I can give you my address. I'm so sorry. You know me, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I forgot my folder. (laughs) And, uh, here's, here's a phone number. Here's my address, all the things. And he says, tell me the phone number of your flatmate. And I do. And he writes it down and he takes my passport and the phone number and he goes around the corner. It's like this little room that has like a two-way mirror. Is that the right thing? He can see me. I cannot see him. He goes around the wall. He comes back 30 seconds and he says, Miss Downs, you and I both know that's not a real phone number. (laughs) Thank you. That is how I felt. I was like, do I look like Jason Bourne? Do you think I'm trying to sneak into your country? Also, does Jason Bourne wait in lines at passport control? No. Why would I give you a fake number? I'm like, no, that's really your number. I'm so sorry. Here, take my phone. Go call her from my phone. So now he has my passport and my phone. He goes around the corner, calls again, comes back. He says, Miss Downs, I'm going to give you one more chance, and then I'm going to deport you. And I was like, why did she not answer her phone? I was just texting her. Why did she not answer her phone? And I am terrified because I don't know about deportation. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, is there like a tiny plane I have to get on? Like, do I go right now? Is it like 
Con Air, right? Like for bad people. I don't know. Do I just go get on that plane? And what about all my stuff? I live here. Like I had moved over to Edinburgh, not in suitcases, but in like Tupperwares. I brought a lot of my stuff. And in my head, I'm like, how, how are my flatmates going to pack up my stuff? I don't know how to, I, I don't know what to do. He has my phone. So I say to him like, well, you know, I open the phone again and I tell him, here's the phone number of the pastor at the church where I'm volunteering. You can call him. And he walks around there. He tells me to sit down again, which I was like, stop making me sit. And he walks around the corner and hand to heaven, y'all, he is gone for 30 minutes. And I am just sitting there. At this point, I need you to picture this with me. I'm the only person in the airport. It's 9.30 on a Monday night. It is me, Richard, and these two guys over here at the luggage carousels and my bag just circling, circling. Everyone else is gone except those two guys in my bag and I'm just sitting there and I have no phone so I cannot be entertained. And so I am doing what Pastor Kevin just did for us. I am locker room pep talking myself. Right? You're going to be all right. If they send you back to America, it's America. You know how to live there. You can get more things. You're going to be fine. He might not even do this. He's probably going to do this. I mean, I am like, I am panicking. But I'm trying to sit there and be really cool because you don't want to have like high emotions in that moment, right? You don't want to be the one who's wailing because that gets you on the plane. What I did know is that if if you get deported, I would never have gotten to go back to the UK. And that's really sad for me. I live there. I have a lot of really close friends there. And so I, I, that, that really had me worried and afraid. And, and in that moment, though it wasn't some big, uh, big moment and it wasn't, it wasn't something extreme like jumping out of a plane, I had to choose courage. Just courage to like talk myself down of it would be okay. It would be okay. That's why we're starting the year here with this series. I hope you'll be with us for the whole series because one of the reasons we're starting here is that this is what we need this year. It's just like what does it look like to actually take courage in the lives that we already have? I actually want to read you the definition of courage. I think you'll find this interesting. It's the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face difficulty, danger, pain, et cetera, without fear. And I'll tell you the truth. I'm not like one to fight Merriam-Webster, but I don't actually think that's true. Because what you know and what I know is the bravest people in our lives, it's not that they stop hearing the whispers of fear, it's that they stop listening to them. The fear doesn't go away. We just stop giving it time. We stop listening to it, and that is really different. So I guess the question or the challenge for 2023 is not how do we have no fear. My question is how do we fear less and take courage more? How do we make that trade? And we're not going to go cold turkey on fear. That's just not how it works. Spoiler alert, it doesn't stop. That's not, hadn't been true in my life or my friends' lives, and it certainly wasn't true that day with me and Officer Richard in the Edinburgh airport. Fear doesn't just go away. We just stop listening to it. I heard a preacher say this a few years ago, and it has absolutely changed. This one thing has absolutely changed how I read the Bible and how I think about courage. He said, no one in the Bible except Jesus 
knew how their story was going to end either. Isn't that interesting to think about? Because when we hear the Bible stories and we read the Bible stories, we get to read the beginning and the end. But when they're living it, they are human just like us, and they did not know how their story was going to end. That was what was so scary for me at the airport is I just didn't know how the story was going to end. And my guess is you're sitting here, and there is some story in your life that you're like, yeah, Annie, I don't know how this is going to go. And no one in the Bible knew that either. Let's think about it. Like there's a story of Noah and the ark. Noah builds this boat. You may have heard this story before. He builds a boat and animals come two by two. They all get on this big boat with Noah and his family. And God says in Genesis that it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. I don't know if you've actually thought about that story very much, but can can you actually imagine the trauma of that story? Because here they are getting on the boat, all these animals, it starts to rain, and they watch their whole life go underwater. Their synagogue, their market, their home, their schools, their playgrounds, their friends. I mean, we tell the story to kids about the animals came two by two. We leave out the part, (laughs) rightly, where Noah and his family lost everybody. And all they know is it's going to rain 40 days and 40 nights, and then they don't know what happens after that. You and I know. We know that the dove flew out and got a branch in its mouth, and we know the rainbow, right? (laughs) And, like, we know how the story ends. Noah and his family did not know. So every day they're just going, like, is the water ever going to recede? I don't know if you've ever felt that in your life. I sure have. I mean, we have in Nashville. We've experienced flooding, so we do know. But in my life there have been times where I thought, is this ever going to get better? Oh, yeah, that's what Noah asked, too. Or Jonah, Jonah and the whale. Do you remember this story? Or have you heard this one before? Jonah is disobeying God. He gets on a boat to run away from what God has asked him to do. And the weather goes bananas and there's a massive storm. Listen, this is for free. If the weather ever changes because of your sin, (laughs) you better get right. You better get right. That is problematic. If there is a storm because of you, oh, boy. So he's out on this boat, and they say someone has angered God. He decides to jump out of the boat, I I guess to commit suicide. Jumps out of the boat. The weather stops, and as he's going down in the water, a fish eats him. A whale. Do you think Jonah saw that coming? Nah, dog. He did not. That's not what you picture happening next. And also, now he's alive in a whale. No, thank you. And it's not like he had a phone that he could like turn the flashlight on and see what was going on in there or have any version of light or know what time it is. You and I know when we read the book of Jonah that Jonah was in the whale for three days. Like between now and Tuesday in a whale. Jonah didn't know how long he'd be. He didn't know that he was ever getting out. And so my reminder to us in that is that when your life feels so dark, you think you may never get out. When it feels so dark that you think, how will this ever change? You may get puked up tomorrow. (laughs) Tomorrow might be the day that the light comes. Because Jonah didn't know, right? He's just floating in there. I don't know. Was he sitting on a lung? Who can know? He's just floating in there. And then all of a sudden, he's back on land. That's how God works in our lives, you guys. And so for those of you who feel like it is so dark, 
that you're not sure it's worth living, hang on. The light is coming. Take courage. Or Queen Esther. Queen Esther is a great example too. Over and over in the book of Esther, she risks her life on behalf of the Jewish people. And it is like, you're not supposed to go to the king. And she's like, I think I'm supposed to go to the king. And every time she has no idea how her story is going to end. We could do that with the whole Bible. Again, the only one who knew how his story was going to end was Jesus. All hail King Jesus. Who gave his life up for us when he knew. When he knew. But every other Bible story changes when you remember that everyone we read about had to be brave too. It was not easy for any of them. None of them were like, well, if you turn the page, you'll see how my life is going to go. It's just not true. No one knew how their story was going to end. It happens in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of Jesus' life here on earth, from the people who spend every day with him to the people who only have interactions with him. They had no idea how their story was going to end. Today, we're going to look at a story where two very different people both had to do a pretty small, brave thing. But the thing that's true about being brave is you're doing the same thing you've normally done. You just do it in an extraordinary circumstance. Right? So you're going to watch two people do some really ordinary things that you've probably already done today, but do them in an extraordinary moment that requires courage and it changes everything. And also, I just want to note to you that this story we're going to read, we're going to read it in the book of Mark. It is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And that really matters because three of the four guys who are writing down the life of Jesus found this story important enough to include. If one of them writes it, we pay attention because the gospel and the Bible is altogether true. But if three of them tell us the same story, there's a reason. So we're going to start in Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him. And so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and on seeing him fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him. And a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. I mean, the courage of Jairus, right? He is a synagogue official and they are not loving everything Jesus is doing. He's stirring stuff up, but he knows, he's heard stories. And so the courage of, I'm gonna go to the guy that other people aren't sure we should be going to because I know who he is. And it's interesting because a lot of the dads I know that are really good dads, they do anything for their kids. Any risk, any amount of courage, whatever bravery is required, they're gonna do it, especially if their kid's life is on the line. Takes a lot of courage, but they're gonna do it. And the thing you also see in this part of the story is that courage often expresses a desperation we feel, doesn't it? Sometimes the moments when you have to be the most brave are because you're desperate for something. And Jairus is desperate for his daughter to be healed. But again, all he did was ask Jesus to come along. You've asked someone, here, sit down here, get in the car, let's go. I mean, you've done it, but when Jairus did it in this part of the story, he was desperate. Let's keep going. Remember, the crowd is pressing in around Jesus. This is an important As we jump in to verse 25, a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years, 
and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up to the crowd behind him. She came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? I love this verse. And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, who touched me? (laughs) They're like, Jesus, the answer is everyone. And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. When Matthew tells the story in Matthew chapter 9, he says, if you But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, daughter, take courage. Take courage. Your faith has made you well. Twelve years, y'all. Twelve years she's been bleeding. I've never been a dad, but I've been a woman. Twelve years? Can you imagine? And I want to remind you about something in this culture. When the women were bleeding in this culture, they were unclean. They could not be with their family. They could not hug or touch. There was, they were outcasts for that week of their month. You understand that means she's been alone for 12 years. Alone. No one has hugged her. She has had no children. She has been bleeding for 12 years. And in a moment of courage of what might happen if she reaches out and touches Jesus' cloak and she's healed. A couple of us got to go to Israel in October. And uh, it was some leadership and some friends of yours sitting around us that we all got to go to Israel together. And we're sitting in this spot in Capernaum where these two stories really happened. And we're by the seashore and the leader of our trip, Mark, says, okay, we're going to walk into Capernaum and we're going to reenact this. And I rolled my eyes because I did not go to Israel to reenact the Bible. Right? I was like, this is going to be so cheesy. And he has Pastor Kevin put on a prayer shawl, just like what Jesus would have had on. And he says, okay, everybody, squeeze in tight. And I'm hanging back because I'm trying to be too cool. And I'm like, this is is cheesy. And as we're going, I thought, I wonder what that woman felt like. And I said to myself, what if Pastor Kevin had the one thing you wanted and he was that close? And so I started trying to like get to him. And all of our team, all of our friends were all pushed in close. So I'm kind of jockeying around and it's not working. And the anxiety in me is rising. And that's not even Jesus. That's Kevin. He's great. But it's not Jesus. But I feel it. I'm like, okay, Mark wins. I thought this was cheesy and it's actually about to make me cry because I cannot get to him. 
And this woman, as everybody's pressing up, she just makes her way to Jesus. And all she did was reach out and touch his cloak in hopes that he would heal her. And he did, and he said, take courage. Now, let's keep going in this story. Remember what he has just said to her. He has just said, take courage. Verse 35, while he was still speaking, I need you to picture this happening. While he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Can you imagine? Jairus has said, come with me, Jesus. And Jesus goes, of course. And, and a woman reaches out and Jesus stops to see her. And before they can get to Jairus' house, someone has met them and said, in this amount of time, your daughter has died. But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, do not be afraid any longer, only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official and he saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. They began laughing at him. But putting them all out, so Jesus is like, yeah, if you're going to laugh, get out. Putting them all out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. Taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which translates, translated means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old. And immediately, they were completely astounded. How old was she? 12. How long had that woman been bleeding? 12 years. Does that give you goosebumps? What? Jesus healed them both. All hail King Jesus. Right, what happened in that day, in that hour, is Jesus gave a 12-year-old her actual life back, and he gave another woman back her life after 12 years. It's unbelievable. And Jairus and the woman are so different, right? Because Jairus is a synagogue official and a man and a leader, and we know his name. We don't even know her name. She's a, a woman in town that has been ostracized and left alone. She is surrounded by a crowd and incredibly lonely. And Jesus heals both Jairus' daughter and the woman. Um, if you have not watched The Chosen before, it's a show that is retelling the Gospels and telling Jesus' life. You need to watch tonight because last week's episode, which is season three, episode four, and tonight's episode, season three, episode five, are this story. So if you need a little TV tonight, go watch this. Watch episode four and then watch five tonight when they release it. And the other thing to remember is that courage with Jesus is different. It's different. It's different than Annie telling you to be brave. This isn't like a pep talk, like a self-help thing. If I told you, you should go be brave because I said so, there's like no foundation to that. You're like, she seems nice. But the thing about Jesus, 
The thing about Jesus is, is when he asks us to be brave, when he tells us to take courage, when we're in relationship with him and we do the brave thing, we've got a safety net the whole time. The safest thing you can do is be brave with Jesus. He is our foundation. He's done it. He has died and rose again, right? Like, he's done it. He's got the cred. And he gives us his courage through the Holy Spirit. So we aren't in this alone with him. And I just wonder, what might God resurrect in your life today? (laughs) After 12 years, after 12 minutes, after a year, I don't know, a, a dream or a career, an opportunity, a relationship, a ministry, just connection to him. And what if courage more often than not isn't the big thing, it is the everyday thing in an extraordinary moment? So I'm in the Edinburgh airport and it's been like 30 minutes. And Officer Richard is not coming back, but I can hear him on the phone and he's mad. He's been pretty mad at a stranger this whole time and I have not understood But he's mad and I can hear him and based on what he's saying and I know he's on the phone with my pastor, I I can tell they're not best friends and I'm thinking he's gonna deport me. Like this is over. I can hear him. I'm not gonna get out of this. He comes back around and he is sweaty mad and his face is red and he walks up to his booth and he slams my phone down and my passport down and he tells me to come forward like that and I'm like, yes, sir. And he says, I don't know why I'm going to do, I'm doing this, but I'm going to let you stay. I was like, okay. (laughs) We had already talked about that I would be, I did have a flight back to America two months later. He does a stamp in my passport like he was trying to break through the table. And he says, but when you leave, I'm putting a stamp in your passport that says you cannot come back to the UK for six months. And I was like, wasn't planning on it. But I didn't. I didn't say I didn't say I was so rude. (laughs) No, 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 I didn't. I'm kidding. But that's why I wasn't. I thought about it. And he slides my phone back to me, and he slides my passport back, and he says, and I hope I never see you again. I was like, mutual, bro. I didn't think this was the start of something beautiful. Like, I get it. This didn't work. And I thought, man, this guy is so mad. And, I, and, and you, in Scripture, it says our battle is not against flesh and blood. And it felt like that. And I, I, I'm just thinking, Mike, this is so much bigger than me. This feels weird. I, I'm just getting out of here. So I leave. I get my bag. I thank the two guys who have been watching my bag for an actual hour now. And I go and I get in a cab. And it, for those of us that we've been friends for a while, you're going to be very impressed with this. I had not cried yet. But I get in that cab and I tell the guy my address and my face explodes. I mean, I just sob out of fear and relief and what was that? And the cab driver says, oh, did someone break up with you, love? (laughs) Quite a leap, sir. I'm offended and you just lost your tip. I said, no, your entire country just tried to break up with me. Like, your whole nation tried to break up with me. It didn't work. I cannot believe it. But listen, in that story, what was courage for me? It wasn't anything big. It was sitting there in the tension and the pain. It was telling the truth when I was asked. It was walking through the open door that was given to me. It was doing everyday things. 
So what might it look like for you to take courage this week, this year, today, right here, right now, in the life that you already have. Very often we're taught about bravery and courage, like go and do the big thing. And, and that is true, but what I actually find nine times out of 10 is the brave thing is the thing you're meant to do in the life you already have. Our very talented graphics team here has created a um, lock screen for us that just says, take courage. You can scan the QR code on the screen or the one in the back of the seat in front of you. Because I just need that reminder this week when I get back into my life and, and as we're getting back into work this year and, and into our relationships, like where do you need to take courage? For some of you coming to church today, like you and Jesus are cool, but you and church are not. And I get that. And so your brave step was coming today and I'm impressed, well done. Do it again next week. For some of you, it's something at home, in your marriage, or in a relationship, or the next conversation you need to have. It's at work, it's the song that you're dying to write, or the book you wanna write, or the art you wanna make. It's what you believe about yourself, it's what you believe about Jesus, it's being brave enough to ask some questions about Jesus that you haven't asked yet. It's calling a therapist and Wondering, is this the right time to start counseling? Yes, it is. It is. I had two friends text me 10 minutes apart on Wednesday and ask me to help them find a counselor. The brave thing was not texting me. We do it all the time. The brave thing was texting me to help them find a counselor, right? Do you see the little step? That's the difference. I mean, we saw it this week in the NFL, right? When that ESPN analyst prayed for DeMar Hamlin on TV, that guy prays in his real life, but it is different to pray on national television and we continue to pray, but man, that story is incredible. What, the story of his healing and the story of our nation talking about prayer, let's go, right? And that ESPN analyst doing that that little moment of courage has been on all of our Instagram feeds. Sometimes it's just doing the brave thing that's a small thing in the moment that'll carry it because we do not know what happens next in our story. You don't know what happens next in your story. I don't know what's happening next in my story. And so we just take courage and we just do the next step, the next open door. And that's what this whole series is gonna walk us through. And Jairus did it, the woman did it, the disciples, you will see throughout the gospels, the disciples make these brave moves not knowing how their story was gonna end. So, we trust Jesus. All hail King Jesus. And it is his courage that can be our courage, right? And this year, if we do a little courage experiment this year, how different could we be at the end, I don't know. But I want you to finish it so we can see. That's how experiments work. So um, I'm gonna pray for us. Will you open your hands if you're willing? Just open your hands and, as a act with your embodying to God that you're available to what he would have for you and your hands are open of what is already yours and you're offering it to him. Yeah, Jesus, we, um, our hands are open to you. My hands are open to you. Take what you want and give what you want. We see in these stories of Jairus and the woman like 
people are desperate for healing in this room and people are desperate for connection and people are desperate for relationship and desperate to know you. And so God, would, would we all take courageous steps in our desperation? Would you help us? Jesus, you help people all the time. Would you help us? We love you in Jesus' name, amen. If one of your hopes for this year is that you will um, read the Bible a little bit more, we're gonna put on the screen the three places that that story is in the Gospels, in Mark, Matthew, and Luke. And I would encourage you to write that down or take a picture of it with your phone. And this week in your Bible reading, just go to those three stories and see what's the same and see what's different and, and see what I didn't notice that you noticed. And it's a great way to kind of start our practice of taking courage in our lives and reading the Bible this year. So the series continues next Sunday. You do not want to miss it. So be brave. Come back. We love you. See you next Sunday.